The final thing I'll say, I was going to say a whole other thing, but it's getting really late, so I'm sorry for the really long episode. Um, but the last thing I got to say is that there's a lot of reactions to this, and I understand it, but I think a lot of it doesn't understand what how commonplace these things are and that the risk analysis for most people in these situations is not, you know, a big deal for most people. Like most of these people on set are used to this kind of risk management. It's not, you know, I've read a lot of testimonies from crew who are not even armorers who said I've witnessed thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds go off on sets and not even one safety protocol was violated in my, not even violated, never mind accidents, right? But I think even more important is that just looking at the record, um, the last time someone died from this was Brandon Lee, as far as I could check. I, I tried really hard to figure it out. Um, the famous Brandon Lee case, which was, uh, uh, I don't have the year on top of me, but I believe it was about 30 years ago. Um, I think it was 1991. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was about 30 years ago. So as far as I can tell in the United States, this is the last time someone has died from a firearm on set. And that, that case is actually a lot less egregious than this case. And a lot of things changed actually because of that case. So you're taking a, a calculated risk and one in 30 years, you may not like that risk, but everyone on set understands that risk when they're going into it, or at least everyone who's not new to this kind of thing, which, you know, industry generally understands the kind of risks they're getting into when they're doing this kind of stuff. In fact, stunts are extraordinarily dangerous, extraordinarily, like uh, there's probably a death a year in stunts, which in the grand scheme of how many stunts are being done a year is not, you know, it's not the worst, but I don't, I don't like that figure. Like I, I, you know, the idea that once a year someone dies on, on a major set in the United States due to doing sets or doing stunts is, you know, a lot more disturbing to me. And most of those are motor vehicle related things. So uh, I think most recently there was a uh, um, stunt woman who uh, uh, was on a motorcycle and uh, I, something grotesque happened to her when she hit a truck. So yeah, I won't go into details there, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's stunts are quite dangerous in general. I've seen the behind the scenes of Jackie Chan movies. It's because a lot of it's just straight up real. Like you don't understand. That's what, that's what, I, was, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, Jackie Chan. He's like he's broken bones many, many times, right? Yeah, they're not. Uh, the stunts are not safe. Stunt, stunt, uh, stunt actors know this, by the way. Um, that's why they have huge life insurance policies. But they love it so much that apparently they they would never. They, they don't care if you hear them speak. They just say it's a it's a it's a risk I'm willing to take to do what I love. I guess I don't understand that, but. And uh, the last thing I'll say is that everyone's focusing on Alec Baldwin. Let me tell you that in terms of civil liability, everyone's about to get sued, as they should, by the way. Everyone's about to get sued. Alec Baldwin's about to get sued. The production's about to get sued. The AD's about to get sued. Hannah's about to get sued. Several crew members who might have been involved are about to get sued. Everyone's about to get sued, as they should be sued. Just because something happens doesn't mean there's... One singular thing happens doesn't mean there's one singular person who has liability. I see a lot of articles where people are just trying to point a finger at one person. That's not how real life works. Unfortunately, it seems as though practically like almost the entire environment isn't responsible. Alec Baldwin's responsible. I was taught when I, with my, my uh, firearms training that I'm responsible for every round that comes out of my gun intentional or not. 
that even if I'm told that I'm given a unloaded gun, if I shoot that thing and it's loaded and it hits someone, it's not the person who tells me that it's uh, clear incorrectly's fault. Ultimately, it's ultimately my fault. That's what was bored into my head, you know, upon upon training. I don't think I'd see a lot of his fans responding to a, a lot of his, you know, tweets, which, by the way, Alec Baldwin, stop tweeting. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, this is an active case. Like, do you not have a lawyer? Don't what he saying? speak. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. You're saying stupid things. Anything. You probably shouldn't be saying anything. And literally, this is literally, I didn't do it. That's the, probably the most you should ever say. <laughs> You can say, I'm sorry that this happened, and he probably should, pers- um, well, I guess, I should say, I'm sorry this happened, and, uh, you know, awaiting investigation, I don't want to comment. That's perfectly fine. I think everyone should understand that. But he's running his mouth about stuff that happened that he thinks exonerates him. He's literally digging the hole for himself, which is so annoying to me, because he's saying, oh, they told me the gun was cold, and he thinks that's an excuse, which tells me that he had no respect for the firearm that he had. That's what that tells me, is that he just believed them, and he thought, and to the point where even after the fact, he think that's, thinks that's the excuse, an excuse, that believing them is an excuse. To me, that's the opposite. That means you're reckless if you, if you think it's an excuse even now, unless you're trying to win the court of public opinion with your fans or something like that, who have no idea, you know, about the, the culture of, of uh, firearm safety. And unfortunately, the, where I see a lot of people vibing with what he's saying, and like I'm saying, it's not his entire fault. I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, I, I percent of blame I'm not going to apply at all. But certainly there is f- some fault on his hands for her death. And I just don't like that he's, uh, he's, he's acting the way he is around it. And he, his, if he has lawyers could strangle him, I'm sure they would because he's already lawyered up. So I assume his lawyers want to strangle him. <laughs> um, you know, they can't literally control what he says, I guess. So. And the final thing is that Hannah's lawyers released a statement saying she did everything she could. It was a high-pressure environment that it was too rough for her to handle. She was doing two jobs at once. I don't know what this is a reference to. It might be a reference to the fact that she was making blunts and handling firearm safety, which almost certainly should be two people. Um, (laughs) She did the best she could, but that the environment essentially killed her. I completely disagree, ultimately speaking. I think that's partly true, but not fully true. That's what a lawyer would say to get rid of any liability. I think there is some liability on her uh, on her behalf as well. In terms of criminal liability, lastly, I have no earthly clue. I'm like, I'm like 90% sure that there's criminal negligence at least on Alec Baldwin's behalf. You know, this it's very so much state by state. So I, I will comment on that. Whether or not he should be charged is not something I'm going to answer. I just I just hope that everyone treats this consistently. That the Hollywood halo doesn't save him if it shouldn't save him. If a prosecutor would normally overlook this case and say, well, the factors around surrounding it were so egregious that you know I don't want to prosecute something like this, then if that would be normally the case, then fine. If that's not normally the case, and if you can't show me that that would normally be the case, then you should try him. That's what justice is, right? Justice is equal application of the law. There should, he should have no Hollywood defense, although I think that's ultimately what's going to happen is no one will get in criminal trouble because of the nature of how it happened, even though they probably violated 10 laws. So that's it. I went on for almost two hours, and I really apologize for that. But it's a complicated story. 
I don't know. I mean, my my thought, and I'm sure it's not popular in like the film community. I just don't see like what the benefit of the it's extra realism is. I mean, there's so many other corners that that films cut in realism. That why why does like recoil and smoke like why is that so important i don't watch like star wars and see han solo you know firing his laser gun and say wow that doesn't look realistic enough to me doesn't i don't think that's what a, a laser gun would look like like i don't get what the push for realism with guns is at least with the star wars the beauty is that it's not realistic at all <laughs> so it's like um like in star wars right like i remember the scene where like darth vader walked i think it's is it in, it's in rogue one at the end of it Darth Vader just walks into space and he's just he's just chilling. He's fine. <laughs> There's wind in space too. As like you know, it's kind of just like Darth. I, I mean, don't, it's Star I'm not Wars. Sure I know. I don't. It's very the very end of Rogue One. Darth Vader is is chasing after people. All right. Yeah, he's in the hallway. Of- yeah, and then, and then the ship leaves. Right, the ship detaches and he goes out into space where the ship once was. Essentially. Really. He's standing. I, he's standing on like a like a almost like a balcony if you think about it. Like he's standing on yeah, the floor, but it's exposed okay. to space. Even yeah. so, I mean, Vader would be the person who would survive that, given his... Okay, that's true. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's, like, wind in space. That's different, and it's, like, that's different, that's different than Leia, you know, magically using the Force while unconscious to save herself flying through space. Mm, yeah. Which is, not, which is not good. But... Yeah, yeah. I think... I, mean, I think what... I, I think it depends on the movie, right? Because as I pointed out in the Discord, like, a lot of action movies, they don't care about recoil, actually, right? They're just, like... It looks like they're literally doing nothing when they shoot. It looks like there's a bit of flash and then nothing else happens, you know. Um, whereas something I don't know, like like if I'm watching like a like like Dunkirk for example, right? I would expect for that to not be the case, <laughs> just because it uh, it focuses it's more immersive in realism and it'd be, it would feel weird if nothing they did felt real. I guess. So I, I think that, I don't really know what the movie the movie they're filming is like, so I don't know if it's. How warranted. much do you know, like what real even looks like? Well, and, here, can you, and how much capacity do you have to pay attention to that in in the moment? I I think the difference is is more in, in feel than like literally knowing, and I think the difference is bigger than you think. Like in terms of feel, there's a reason they would spend so much money doing these kinds of things. Much like there's a reason they would spend so much money doing real stunts as well, you know. You could say that every ragdoll in every action movie should be a, you know, either a dummy or a um, or a CG ragdoll, which is the case in some certain scenes in certain movies, um, like in Fast and Furious movies. There's a lot of CG bodies in there. The thing is, it feels like CG bodies. Like I don't think it, I don't think I would notice that they're CG bodies because I'm a filmmaker. I think either subconsciously or frankly, I think consciously too, the audience notices the CG bodies flying around in fast and furious or Marvel movies or anything like that. I think the difference is actually that starkly different. Even with firearms, if you don't have a fast paced action scene, the only time where it probably doesn't matter and this where they don't use them anyway is when you have like, you know, cut, 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 or like, you know, those crazy sort of action scenes where everyone's flipping around and stuff like that. But if you have a Western where someone's like, you know, like standing there menacingly and they're about to like quick draw and fire. It's going to be a world of a difference uh, to the audience where there's no cutting, no film trickery or anything like that. And it's just the actual practical effect living for what it is. And I just think it's so common that it doesn't strike anyone as odd when they see gunfire, when it really should strike them as odd that they, they look so good. (laughs) 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm of a different mind here. I think films cut corners in so many other budget corners and so in realism corners in so many other ways that like why those sorts of things get priority I, I don't really understand like pay for a live orchestra first before you worry about that sort of thing you know well what's more important is like gonna be it's a creative decision at the end of the day it, it, to me, it's just a tool in the tool bro- toolbox. I'm, you know, whether you use it or not is just up to whether the scene needs it or not. It's it's not a should or shouldn't sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't use it in every scene either, especially if it makes safety particularly difficult. But I would definitely use it in a war film. Like I promise you, Saving Private Ryan would not look good at all. Like it would not just look slightly bad. It would look terrible if they were not using blanks the entire time. Because they're in the trenches, the dirt reacts to the the the, the blow of gas at the uh, at the end of the muzzle, and I'm not looking for it, right? But it happens, and I still see it, interpret it, and it feels more visceral and real to me. Those squibs in the ground don't need to be there either, but you know, it's all to contribute to this atmosphere that maybe the the layman doesn't understand what's going on, but they 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 internalize it as more real because we're used to seeing real things, you know. So our brains are better than we think at telling real versus fake. I so. guess. I mean, I can speak from experience. I'll be like, you know, in the, in the background while my mom is watching TV and I'll just like, and I'll be like doing dishes and she's watching whatever, some show on. And I'll just like laugh and say, then these virtual instruments are so bad. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even know there was music going on. I'm like, like it, it, it's yeah, maybe I'll notice that these if they're using virtual instruments in this show, but does the average person even notice that there's music there? Much less like, oh, that oboe doesn't really move in the most human manner. Like, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I, I think that like some people will notice some things that are not realistic, but like go for realism where it's where it's you know practical and and, and impactful. Uh, I actually have to go now. <laughs> oh no! We'll do your battlefield, the battlefront thing next time. Yeah, we can do that next time. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> that was fine. This is interesting because it would be a lot worse if it was like a thirty-minute segment, and then we got like the last thirty minutes of what you said, and it's like, okay, it's not that much background, and you know, there's a lot to it. It was not yeah. a simple, simple story, I guess. Yeah, I did a lot of research, so hit the thumbs up if you. Uh, <laughs> I, I was reading all day, so. <laughs> Hit the thumbs up if you appreciate the amount of research. <laughs> I disagree. I think that music would absolutely be noticed, maybe not in their absence, but in the presence, right? Like, I don't, I think there's a reason why Star Wars music is so revered universally, whether you're a music fan or not. I think it's because it's so beautiful that it calls it, like, you can't help but to, to notice how beautiful it is. And I don't think that, I think for me at least, I can't watch a show and hear electronic uh, instruments and not notice. I get that I look for those kinds of things, but like I, th- it's hard for me to imagine that the general audience doesn't at least feel affected by it. Like it contributes to the total effect of what's going on, you know. So in defense of music, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I I just think that Hollywood is selective. It seems like they're kind of selective about what they want to be realistic about and what they don't. I I don't think that the realism necessarily is always the most noticeable thing. And if you're going to be selective about it, 
then do it in a way that like is actually impactful. And I think the music is probably more you know impactful and noticeable even if you're not listening to it as carefully as as I am. Then you know I I mean I, I've I've read some articles on this and like it seemed like most people were actually concerned about the the muzzle flash, not so much about the recoil. Yeah, that's fake news. Like, okay. And this thing, you know, like it's 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 the light, how the light affects the, you know, from the gun affects the environment. That's true too, actually. Like, yeah. Like, okay. So if that's so important, I mean, I've never looked at a, you know, laser shot in Star Wars and said, wow, that gas, you know, the laser gas, whatever it is, it's called Tabana gas, I think, in Star Wars canon. That that would definitely make a brighter flash across the entire environment. So wow, this is I, I just noticed that that shot is unrealistic. Well, I mean, to, again, I don't. from the VFX background, though, those are actually details they spend a lot of time painting into the scene with the muzzle, with the even in Star Wars. But the thing is, they have to paint it in, especially back then. They spent time like doing all the highlights of uh, you know whether it's a lightsaber or it's a um, I don't know the names of these things. Sorry, the bolt thing um <laughs> whether it's any of those things the those flashes are manually painted onto the edges of like people's bodies and like on the edges of objects and things like that and it achieves it like extremely well but it's maybe i should have not had... good enough like in that case i think it's good enough need... because of the genre but like if if i were to put two like I said, you know, when, in VFX, like this is one of the first things you learn, right? What the sad reality is of every VFX artist who teaches you this very basic thing of VFXing in gunshots is is that it's never going to look right because it's it's just not right. It's actually not physically accurate. Like there's nothing right about it, you know. And it's a lamentable thing to VFX artists because they would rather have the practical assist them in selling the VFX, right? And it's hard to explain without literally having an example, and maybe I should have had one. But like it actually it's like a big difference. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. Unless you're gonna spend, especially if you're in a Western with like, you know, three three hundred rounds going off potentially throughout the entire film, it's very hard to paint those things in frame by frame for every single thing and have it consistently look good. You know, I don't know. I think I think it's a more case by case basis than it is like something where we can just say this versus that or something like that, you know? And I think generally speaking, it's treated case by case because not every scene has blanks in it and uh, not every film goes no blanks, you know, like it, there's a, there's a case by case basis depending. I don't know. That's my opinion at least. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, 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 my opinion is definitely that Hollywood selectively chooses what's, what it's wants to spend for realism where, you know, like I, I mentioned when I watched Black Widow, I mean, come on, how hard is it? You could have paid me $5 to check <laughs> the Russian in that film. You could have paid me no money and I would have done it for you, but they didn't do that. And if you know any Russian, the film is kind of silly because of that, right? Like there are some words that are just have accents in the wrong place. And then there's the, the, the kind of climactic line that, just doesn't work because it's not right. But I mean, the thing is, the average person is that does it? No, they don't care. But if you know Russian, then like that really is a violation of realism. I just laughed when I heard that. Okay, 
like you could have avoided that very easily. Well, the thing is, I don't think they're analogous because basically no one understands Russian, whereas physics is just universal. Like people's brains interpret physics universally. But see, I don't think I would look at a, a gunfire, you know, a gunshot, and and be able to tell you that that wasn't realistic enough recoil. But I think your like I. Again, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying it without an example. But if I were to put it, throw up an example of VFX versus real, I think you would be able to tell which one looks better, like pretty, pretty easily. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, is like it's actually a, a much bigger delta between the two than I think people think, especially for scenes where there's not like crazy cutting from one cut to another or something like that. Yeah, but if you're willing to, if you're willing to like spend money. For this re- this kind of realism, and potentially have problems, even though you know in theory, if you follow these safety steps, there shouldn't be, but there's still a risk. Then why can you not spend five dollars to check the Russian in your film? Kind of. I don't disagree with you. I would definitely have the Russian checked in my kind of film. <laughs> so, like you know, I, I I I don't understand that even personally. I I would do that. I don't think it has to be a dichotomy, you know, like, I think, I don't think it's as. Yeah. You know. I, I, okay. I'm not saying it has to be a dichotomy. I'm saying that it seems to be like that Hollywood is being selected in certain things. Yeah. That, that might be the case. I can imagine people prioritizing the realism of some things or another. Cause I think about some things more than others. And, uh, I, that might be a more unfortunate thing with, uh, creatives not thinking well about how to, produce things well and get the best end result than it is like about the inherent safety of the thing, which I think is, I mean, it's safer than roller coasters and roller coasters are extraordinarily safe. You know, like, you know, there's a, there's a roller coaster death. Maybe actually I can count the number of roller. I can actually recite to you all the stories of roller coaster deaths for the past hundred years in the United States, because I'm a roller coaster nerd uh, as of late. Um, and I could tell you of them all because there's a, probably about like 20 and there's videos about all of them and they have like a millions of views because people are attracted to danger, but there's only 20. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so they're extraordinarily safe. It's just uh, a matter of like perspective of like, okay, is it worth it to get on a roller coaster, even though it's an elevated risk from walking around. Right. Um, you're literally flying around in a two ton train pulling forces up and down and it's not an inherently safe task but it's made safe by the safety precautions and safety systems much like you know dealing with firearms is sort of that way too like you know you have safety precautions safety systems when they're on you have less chance of to die than you would even have on a roller coaster then i can see that being an acceptable risk whereas like stunts once a year that's actually a little bit more like uh, concerning to me, you know, from a acceptable risk standpoint. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I I was reading this week, um, just because I was talking to someone, responding to someone's comment online, questioning, getting into whether Kathleen Kennedy's contract is going to be renewed or not, which is neither here nor there. But um, about how much money Star Wars, the the uh, sequel trilogy made, um, when accounting for not just, you know, people tend to, especially if they're trying to defend her, will quote just the raw revenue, which doesn't account for how much the budget was. 
mm. or as I've learned from you, also you have to take into account the marketing. So I was trying to look up um, the actual budget for just the Force Awakens, and that came up with like they also Disney had to you know pay two million dollar lawsuit because when Harrison Ford was walking out of the you know set Millennium Falcon, the door fell on his foot and wow. crushed. Yeah. And so he couldn't, he was like in the hospital, had to be like, you know, mechanically repaired with a whole bunch of um, screws. And also J.J. Abrams, the director, like dislocated one of his, the discs in his back because he was trying to lift the door off of Harrison Ford. Mm. Um, so that resulted in a $2 million fine uh, for Disney for, you know, safety violations in con- set construction. Like, you wouldn't think Disney and like something as large as Star Wars would have problems like that. Yeah. And clearly, these things are not quite as uh, safe as you know you'd imagine that they are. No, sets are actually a lot more dangerous than people uh, people think. Lights fall on people all the time. You know, things fall on people all the time on sets. And like I said, stunts are actually just not safe. Straight up. <laughs> Yeah, so the, just being on a set is an elevated risk in of itself. Yeah, I'll post examples of uh, on Discord if I get a chance. Of uh, I'll post where I, the video of where I first learned uh, how to do virtual gunfire. Um, I'll be nostalgic for me to go back to, um, <laughs> and I'll uh, post it on the Discord, and you can see it doesn't look very good. <laughs> it looks good enough if that's all you can do, and if that's all that's safe, that's all you can do. Uh, okay, so that's that's uh, that's the thing. I successfully took something that was a Twitter battle, and I spent ten two hours breaking it down into its constituent parts. So please smash the like button and subscribe if you enjoyed that or uh, liked any aspect of that. Um, I don't know, Ben. Do you still want to do your uh, arguing with Reddit thing, or are you like pooped out? It might be just a good idea to you know save that for next week at this point. Okay, I'm really sorry, everyone, for going on so long. Hopefully it was entertaining. There's a lot of people who have stuck around this entire time, so I'm going to assume it was entertaining to some extent. Even on Rumble, we had a few people uh, sticking around. Right now, none. I think it's because we wound down a little bit. But, uh, you know, throughout the conversation, we had, you know, some people hanging around on Rumble as well, which is pretty cool. So uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to me ramble, and I ask that, again, if you pray, Pray for uh, Helena's soul. Make sure that uh, everything that we do is done with nuance and just care. I think especially these days, like there's nothing worth another person's life, right? So if you're a lower person on a set or in any hierarchy, this happens in all fields actually, there's a name of this effect, and you feel like something is being overlooked, please just walk away rather than go along with it. That would be the best thing to do. Um, uh, if, there's a lot of stories in across industries, airlines, roller coasters, across industries where this is very exact thing. Same thing happens where chain of command matters more than the safety um, aspect of things. So, yeah, just be brave out there, guys. <laughs> uh, with that, you can follow us anywhere in the description. I'll probably split this into like two or three parts, <laughs> um, and we'll see you next time uh, next week at 7 p.m. on Fridays. Yep. Thanks for listening and watching. Thank you.
Shit, I don't want to cause no problems I just want to live my life But I keep on hearing about nonsense Me and my dons ain't mobsters But you know when you see imposters We know how to read them faces Same way you know how to read them comments If you want to talk, let's talk But around here, make sure you walk and your talk is constant 